entitled When Serving Makes No Sense. When Serving Makes No Sense. In Matthew chapter 11 and verse number 1. It says, And it came to pass when Jesus had made an end of commanding his twelve disciples, he departed thence to teach and to preach in their cities. And we're talking about teaching and preaching here a couple of services back. And so evidently, Jesus did teaching and preaching. So there must be a little bit of difference there, don't you think? Since he did both. Uh, preaching, I, I've always thought good preaching ought to include teaching. And teaching is necessary. It's a good thing. After people have heard the good news of Christ, they've been saved, they need to be discipled, and it takes teaching from the scriptures. Preaching is not just empty cheerleading, but it also includes teaching. So there's some overlap, but preaching has maybe more of an appeal to the soul where uh, the emotions are touched, the will is touched, and there is a drive to have a decision, whereas teaching is more to inform. So anyway, that's extra. didn't cost you anything there. Number two, now when John had heard, this is John the Baptist. Now when John had heard in the prison, the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, What went ye out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with the wind? But what went ye out for to see? A man clothed in soft raiment? Behold, they that Wear soft clothing or in kings' houses. But what went ye out for to see? A prophet? Yea, I say unto you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Notwithstanding, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Father, I pray that you'd still our hearts, still our minds. Lord, help us to put aside the busyness of the world, the distractions that would cause us to not hear what you have to say to us today through your word. I pray that you'd empower us, fill us with thy Holy Spirit, anoint our ears to hear. And I pray that you'd bless us and change us Encourage us, strengthen us, make our faith to be the kind of faith that would endure the testing and trials and tribulations of this life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, John had been commissioned to preach the announcement of the coming king for a messianic kingdom. And this kingdom was offered to Israel, but the Old Testament prophets had predicted this, but Israel rejected, the leaders of Israel rejected this king who would rule the kingdom. And 
that kingdom is now postponed during this church age and it will be presented again and it will be accepted after the great tribulation and the thousand year reign of Christ will happen as is scheduled. But Israel rejected the king. And John was sent to announce that. That Jesus is here. The, the Messiah is here. The kingdom is now available. John didn't see all of this postponement that's going to take place. He didn't know about the total rejection of the leaders of Israel towards Jesus and his kingdom. John didn't see all that you and I can see today because we're looking back on the fact and we've got all the scriptures before us. And so we can see all that John didn't see. All John had was the Old Testament. He knew the Old Testament predicted a coming king. But we, we, you and I, now in this church age, we have the completed New Testament so we can see everything concerning this rejection that John's message concerning Jesus would be accepted by some of the poor folks, some of the common folks, but the leaders would reject it. So John knew of the promise of an earthly kingdom. But when it didn't come to pass, and John had preached some pretty hard sermons, some pretty convicting sermons against the leaders of Israel. And he'd even preached specifically against Herod who had stolen his own brother's wife and taken her unlawfully. That ended John in prison. This is something John didn't see coming. Here's John, he thinks, I'm serving God, man, I'm announcing the kingdom and I'm announcing the king and boy, everything is going great. And then he lands in prison. You ever had some plans? You thought you were serving God? You thought you were doing exactly what God wanted you to do? You were convinced of it? And then boy, along comes the devil or somebody and throws a monkey wrench right into everything you thought you were doing in service to the Lord. This happened to John. He'd been camping out on the river banks of the Jordan River and baptizing people. I mean, he's baptizing thousands. But now he's in prison. He'd been announcing a kingdom. But instead of a kingdom, he's in jail. I mean, he's used to being in the outdoors. This is a guy like... This is a guy that enjoyed being outside. He was raised out in the wilderness. And, and man, he's used to the open air. And now he's in prison. What an awful thing to be is imprisoned when you like to be outside. John's expectations had not come to pass. The disciples of John had been very loyal to him and apparently were still faithful to John, even going to find Jesus and visit with Jesus, take his words back to John there in prison. John sends those disciples to seek out Jesus and he asks them this. Now here's the one that's announcing the, the Messiah. He sends those disciples of his own to Jesus and said, are you really him? Jesus, are you really the one? That was a phrase that was directed towards the coming Messiah. Are you the one? John's beginning to have some doubts. You ever doubt things about your life, about the Savior, about God's involvement in your life? 
Well, John's expectations were way higher than what was actually happening. Let's look at John and his predicament. Let's see if you and I can learn some things today that might be encouraging to us. First of all, we've got to look a little bit of the bad news before we get any good news. <laughs> uh, very seldom do we really rejoice the way we ought to until we realize how tough things are and could be and what better news might come. Notice, first of all, the problems of John. What was it that caused John to end in prison anyway? Well, first, it was his preaching. I mean, he was a pretty pointed preacher, and he pulled no punches. <laughs> he just laid it out there. I mean, he was hoeing down their row. He was, he was shelling the corn. Matthew 3, 7 through 10 says, But when... When he saw, John, when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, now this is the way he preached, just before he got thrown in prison. He said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, these are the leaders, these are important guys. He says, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore meats, or fruits, meat for repentance. And think not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid under the root of the trees. Therefore every tree that bringeth forth not good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. John is saying, you're a bunch of snakes and you're vipers. You belong in a snake pit. You need to repent and turn to Christ and change your ways. And boy, that doesn't go over very good to a bunch of religious leaders in those days. It doesn't go over very good today either. I mean, when, when you start preaching, now everybody likes to be encouraged, and everybody likes to hear the good news, but nobody likes to hear, repent. That's what kind of rubs us the wrong way. You see, it's my nature to think I'm doing things pretty good. Now, you might be doing some things wrong, but not me. And when John was telling those people they were like a bunch of snakes, they were getting kind of ill-tempered at him. His preaching got him in trouble. And your stand for Christ may get you in trouble with your friends, with the culture around you. Luke 3.10 says, And the people asked him, saying, asking John, after they heard him preach, they said, What shall we do then? He answered and saith unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And he, and him that, uh, he that hath meat, let him do likewise. Then came also the publicans to be baptized and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Extract no more than that which is appointed you. In other words, quit robbing people, you tax collectors. <laughs> These guys were from the IRS, so evidently. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said to them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. See, the soldiers in those days, man, they could, they could force their will upon the common people in Israel. These were Roman soldiers who were mistreating those Jewish citizens that were under their rule. And uh, they, were, they were riding them hard, like a horse rode hard and put away wet. And John's saying, you quit mistreating people is what you need to do. I mean, he's demanding change. He's saying repent, and here's exactly what you need to do. 
Verse 15 says, And as the people were in expectation of him, all men mused in their hearts of John whether he were the Christ or not. John answered, saying unto them, All, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh, the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. All, John, was, uh, John was fully aware that he was supposed to preach repentance in the kingdom, but he knew that the Lord Jesus was way up here above him. And he says, And he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor, and will gather the wheat into his garner, but the chaff he will burn with fire unquenchable. He was kind of a hellfire and brimstone preacher, wasn't he? And many other things in his exhortation preached he unto the people. But Herod the Tetrarch being reproved of him for Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, and for all the evils which Herod had done, added yet this above all, that he shut up John in prison. Our stand for Christ may get us some, maybe some bad words now and then. Maybe somebody will kind of criticize you a little bit. You might even lose a job because of your Christianity today. But John got put in prison for his stand for Christ. Now sometimes younger preachers, now John's preaching was tough. When I was a younger preacher, when I first started, I thought, man, you're supposed to preach really hard, just try to make people mad. <laughs> I, I, I was wrong. <laughs> you're not supposed to try to make... Now, but the honest truth is, anytime you preach this book, anytime you preach the truth of it, and you preach the repentance part of it, and the turning from sin part of it, and the living for Christ part of it, then people will become upset, and you're going to face some tough times, and, but... I was probably getting a little overly cocky and confident early on, and I found out that people, people will put up with hard preaching as long as they know you love them and you're trying to help them. I mean, you don't help anybody uh, by slapping them on the back and telling them everything's fine if they're living like the devil. <laughs> but we ought not just try to make people mad. But, friend, what you've been doing that you thought was God's plan for your life and it's just kind of hit a snag, a rough place, some bumps in the road. Maybe it's got a little bit tough. But now you question it and you have a nagging feeling that maybe you weren't doing it right after all. John's preaching caused him to hit a rough place in the road. But notice something about his person. Let's talk about this because it's hard to pass over. He was a plain man. He was not, he was not very fashionable and, and he didn't eat at the finest restaurants in town. The Bible says in, in Mark 1 verse number 6, it says, And John was clothed with camel's hair and with a girdle of skin about his loins. And he did eat locusts and wild honey and preached, saying, There cometh one mightier than, uh, than, uh, mightier than I after me the latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to stoop down and unloose. John sacrificed for this ministry that he was trying to use for the Lord. 
he was trying to serve God and so he didn't go down to, uh, to the nicest men's store and buy a fine suit of clothes. He wore camel's hair. He wore skins. And uh, it says he ate locusts and wild honey. The honey sounds pretty good. But he probably had grasshopper legs hanging out from between his teeth. I, I suppose John sacrificed to serve the Lord. He was a plain man instead of a, a dandy or a scholar or royalty. Jesus said, he said, you don't find men in soft raiment except in palaces and king's houses. Not John. And he was a man's kind of man. He's the kind of guy, he's the kind of guy that might have been like old Marcel when uh, what was that guy's name? Oh, Jerry Clower. Anybody remember Jerry Clower? He told the story of Marcel and his chainsaw. Marcel, well, he's just about 17 years old, but he's been out cutting pulpwood with his, uh, with his chainsaw and hauling him on his log truck. He stopped by the beer joint. Man, it's hot and dry day, and he was hot, and he stopped at the beer joint. He wasn't a drinker, but he wanted him uh, a pop, and he said he opened the screen door on that old country saloon and started in, and the saloon keeper said, hey, boy, I know you, and you're not old enough to be in here. Get out. And uh, Marcel said, I, I wasn't going to buy any beer or whiskey. I just wanted the orange pop. And he said, no, you can't come in here. Now get out. And so he walked out, and he got to thinking, well, he shouldn't treat me that way. I should be able to buy an orange pop in there anyway. And so he started back in again, and some of those other guys in there said, hey, you heard him. Get out of here. You can't come in here. And man, they made him mad. He went outside and got the chainsaw and started that thing up at the front door. Boom, 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 boom. He said he stuck the snout of that thing right through the screen door. They gave Marcel the beer joint. <laughs> the whole joint. Well, that's the kind of guy that John the Baptist was. He was just kind of a he was kind of a rough and tumble sort of guy. He was not one to dress nicely or eat fine food. He was just he was just intent on serving the Lord. And he preached, maybe not with the best language, maybe not with the finest scholarship, but he preached the word of God and, and he must have been pretty good at it or God wouldn't have chosen him to be the one who announced the coming of the king. Now, I can't compare my preaching to John, but I am rather plain. I don't have a good personality. Maybe John didn't either. But God used him in a great way. You see what John, now John's in prison. Keep this in mind. John's in prison now. And he's wondering, if I came to announce the king, why in the world am I in prison? Well, what John probably didn't see at the time is that he's a signboard, not an artist. You see, he, he came to deliver a message. The message, what was important. The signboard displaying the message is not so important. That's why it didn't matter if he wasn't the nicest looking guy around. That's why it didn't matter if he was kind of plain and ate simple food. And sometimes when we sacrifice, people see the message better than they see the messenger. We might feel like the sacrifices we've made 
to serve the Lord or just kind of pushed aside. John sacrificed, but he's in prison. Why? He was trying to live for God. Why is Jesus not caring? Why is Jesus not coming to see about him? He had problems that seemed to come directly from serving God. Notice the prison of John. He was in prison. I wonder what it was like. You ever think about it? I visited a prison a few years ago in Canyon City, Colorado. It's a turned into a museum. They don't house prisoners there any, anymore. But we went on a tour through the old prison. It was plain, concrete walls, concrete floor, concrete ceiling, steel bars, very small little place for a prisoner to be. Just a simple little metal frame with a cotton mattress laid on it. A little sink to shave in, wash their face in. A simple potty. We're going to have a porta potty out at Smyrna Church today. It's out behind the building. Uh, they don't have restrooms there. Most of the old churches like that, they had outhouses. And so, uh, so we're going back in time today, ladies and gentlemen. There's one outhouse, and be sure you knock on the door before you go in it. It might be occupied. In that prison, they had one little old hole in the floor for a toilet. Nothing there but the echo of others down the hallway. Can you imagine living in a prison like that? Surrounded by four walls, a floor and a ceiling, all of concrete, no decorations on the wall, no TV in those days when that prison operated. A bed, a sink, and a potty. That was their everyday life. What a terrible way to live. But do you know John the Baptist would have probably thought that was a Holiday Inn Express. Where he was, there were no concrete floors. More than likely just mud. Damp, dripping walls. Stench. from prisoners before and the prisoners around them. This dungeon probably had nothing but rats for cellmates. They were common. Now this is where John was. Now can you get inside John's head just for a minute and you're thinking, here I have been, I've been preaching the word of God. I've called to be a special messenger to announce the king of the whole earth. And I'm in this I'm here. This is the reward I get for serving God. A dungeon. Well, probably the worst prison for John was not the stench and the mud and the bars on the door. The worst prison for John was the prison of his mind because he began to feel like a victim. He began to feel mistreated. He began to feel neglected. And he began to feel like, if you're Jesus, would you care to let me know? Are you him? Do I need to look for somebody else? Have I announced the wrong one? In John Bunyan's 
allegory, the pilgrim's progress, the character on his way to the celestial city named Christian. And Christian meets up with all sorts of obstacles on his way to the celestial city. He encounters at one point a man in an iron cage. His name is Despair. Christian is accompanied by a man named Hope. And they begin to see the despair, this despair in the iron cage and he's weeping and wailing night and day and he's in misery, he's in torment. And, it begin, and we begin to find out as we read the story that this man is there in a cage of his own making. Those bars could have been removed at any time, but he created those bars with the thoughts of his mind. And, and here's what I'm saying to you, ladies and gentlemen, today, that when we become in a a situation when we think we've served God faithfully and we were doing the will of God and things fall apart, the wheels come off of the wagon and we begin to think, boy, I've got it rough. I have it worse than anybody else. And we begin to feel like a victim and we begin to relish our misery and we begin to expand our misery. The more we think about it, the worse it gets. And what you think about, you become. This man thought he was in such despair that he created his own prison. John the Baptist created his own prison in his mind. Philippians chapter 4 says, if there's anything good to think on, think on that instead of the bad things. You don't want to dwell on those things that are negative. Refuse victimhood. Choose to stay positive. Cast down vain imaginations. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Whatever we're thinking about tends to be what we become and the more we think we've got it rough and the more we begin to feel sorry for ourselves and the more we dwell in in such a state as a pity party, we create our own prison and it makes it a thousand times worse than it would have been if we dwelt on the things of God. John just couldn't understand why Jesus didn't care for him. I mean, John's a believer. Evidently, Jesus don't care. Not even come and see him. Didn't even send his disciples. John had to send his own disciples to see Jesus. Does he not care that I'm going through this? Probably, like many today who internalize their hurts and their fears and their frustrations, without prayerfully leaving those burdens of the Lord, that pain increases and becomes worse. 1 Peter 5, 7, now listen to this. You may be in a prison right now. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Now if this Bible is true, and I believe it is, the Bible says that Jesus cares for you. He cares for His children. He cares that you hurt. 
He cared that Job hurt. He cared that Peter was in prison. He cared that John was in prison. He cares for his children. But John couldn't see it. Not at that moment. We can all get there. Let's not blame John too bad. (laughs) We all get there. Notice the perspective of John. He He had established expectations that were not God's plans. You see, sometimes we create in our own mind what we think, how we think things ought to turn out. I'm serving God, so my children ought to grow up to be exactly like I want them to be. I'm serving God, so I should have enough money in my bank account. I'm tithing and giving offerings to the Lord. I'm supporting missions, so I should be financially well off. I try to witness to people and tell them about the Lord Jesus Christ and how they can escape hell and gain heaven. And so therefore, everybody ought to like me. (laughs) Those are expectations that I create in my mind. And it's often not that way because the Bible says in Isaiah, His thoughts are higher than our thoughts and His ways are higher than our ways. And so we may have it all planned out in our mind and designed in our own mind. We've been the architect of our own expectations. And then when God has different plans on how He intends to use our situation, and He can use your situation that's wrought full of pain, He can use it to bring Him glory. He created us to bring him glory. But John had all of this in his head, how it ought to be. I've been announcing the kingdom, so I should be at the right hand of the king. And he thought Jesus is coming to establish his kingdom, so he's going to root out all of these corrupt rulers like Herod that's got me in prison. He was going to establish a rule of righteousness, so none of this should be happening. But that wasn't the way God had planned. When we create our own expectations, we'll be disappointed. That's why I don't make out a Christmas list of things I want for Christmas. I don't make a list because then if I don't get it, I'm not disappointed. I I think many times we, we parents fail when we try to get our kids something bigger and better every Christmas, more expensive, and we go into credit card debt that takes three years to pay off to buy them stuff that they will throw aside. Harrison, you know what his favorite toy is? Aaron and Erica's little boy. <laughs> He's 10 months old, and we've got all these toys in our floor as well as whatever they've got in their house. My wife will bring him over and keep him while they're at work sometimes, and, and we've got all these toys there, and we set him down in the middle of those toys. You know what he reaches for nearly every time? There's no plastic bottle there. It's an empty water bottle. He got an empty water bottle and an empty Gatorade bottle. Those are his two favorite toys. Now, I just saved you a bunch of money for Christmas, parents. <laughs> Buy a case of Gatorade, you drink it, and give the bottles to your kids. Seriously, when we try to get, give them bigger and better all the time, what are they going to be by the time they're 18 or 20 years old? What are they going to expect then? A new Lamborghini. They can enjoy life 
on the simple things. When I was a kid, we thought it was a great thrill to have a cardboard box. I still save them to this day. All I can get my hands on, I save cardboard boxes. <laughs> Me and Harrison, we're going to play in some of those one of these days. The perspective of John, he had unrealistic expectations. He decided the way it ought to be, and that's not the way God had it planned. And in your life, you may have everything designed out the way you think it should be. And yet, God has a different plan for your life. Notice the last thing, the praise of John. Here, we're getting down to some better news here. It says in our text, in verse number 7, Matthew 11, verse number 7, it says, And as they departed, Jesus began to say unto the multitudes concerning John, went ye, What went ye out to, uh, into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken with wind? He's saying, Look, when the disciples of John were leaving, they were walking away. They're gone. So now Jesus turns to his disciples and he says, What did you go out to see when you went to see John? You think you're going to go out there and see a leaf shaking in the wind? John's not that kind of guy. No, just because... Just because he sent his disciples here to, to check and see if I'm really the one, he's having a little bit of a rough time right now, but he's no wimp. Jesus bragged on him. He said, A man clothed in soft raiment, behold, they that wear soft clothing are in kings' houses. But what went you out to see, a prophet? Yea, and I say unto you more than a prophet. He says, Of all those born of women, <laughs> there's not been a better one than John the Baptist. I don't think John the Baptist heard these words. I don't think his disciples, I don't think John's disciples even he heard these words. I think they were spoken after they walked away. John never heard that encouragement. Here's why it's important. Because you may never hear the words of praise in this life while you're sacrificing and serving and while you're hurting sometimes inside and when you're doubting and wondering, is this really the right route that I took? You might think, I messed up. It's not even the will of God. I don't even know if it pays to serve Jesus. Jesus didn't discount John's effectiveness or his value. And just like that, you may be serving God now and you may be sacrificing and you may be doing things that nobody else knows about and you may not get a pat on the back and you might not get encouragement verbally and you might not get recognition for what you do. But Jesus knows. Just like he took up for John, he said, man, this, this guy, he's, he's the best. And then he says this to you and me. He says, notwithstanding, after all that I've said about John, what a great man he is, he said, you that are in the kingdom of heaven, you've got a lot more going for you than John. As great a guy as he is, you've got privileges that John didn't have. First of all, you've got a Bible that's got all the promises in it that John didn't have. You live in this present time with the Holy Spirit living in your heart, Christian, and you have the ability to do above and beyond all that John had to do in that time. John Butler said concerning that verse that says, notwithstanding he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. John Butler said, this does not refer to, the char to character but pr to privilege. 
John did not have the spiritual privilege we have today. We have so, so much more divine revelation than John had. The lowest saint can study the Bible and know more about Christ than did that great prophet, John the Baptist. This statement ought, about John ought to cause us to be better stewards of our great spiritual privileges. Wow. At times in our lives, we may feel like John. We may feel like I've spent a good deal of time, money, and effort trying to serve the Lord. I can't see it paying off. What would you do? Turn from him? John, you're there in prison. Who, who could you turn to? In the Gospel of John, by the Apostle John, in chapter 6, verse 66 through 69, Jesus had a bunch of disciples turn back on him. He says, From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? <laughs> he said, Now, You've seen these others going away. They're running like rats off a sinking ship. He said to his 12, are you going away too? Peter, if he ever said anything that was good and admirable, this is it right here. <laughs> then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. I say to you, based on this narrative this morning about John the Baptist, if you feel slighted, if you feel let down, you feel unrewarded for what you've been doing for Christ, then I would say to you, don't consider going away. There's nobody else to go to. If it's not to Jesus, then who? Allah? Buddha? To whom shall we go? There's nobody else who's got the words of eternal life. If Jesus has the power to give me eternal life, then I'm not worried about any of the rest of it. He can take care of everything else. And if this life ends with total disaster in my, in my estimation, then I've still got eternal life where everything's going to be great. But what we think is disaster in our life might actually be something that's bringing God glory. People who have been told by the doctor, you have maybe four or six months to live. Looks like you've got cancer and there's nothing we can do about it. You may feel like the Lord's let me down. I served Him. I sacrificed for Him. He's let me down. But I've heard of a lot of saints who were terminally ill. They kept their faith, witnessed to people, continued to live for God, continued to have a sweet testimony until the day of their death. They glorified God in their circumstances. There have been people who have lost their fortunes that didn't blame God. They didn't say, Lord, why did you let me down? They use the circumstances to bring glory to God. Whatever's happening in your life, just remember God's in control and you can't see everything that He's doing. He's moving the pieces of the chessboard around in the background and you don't know how this is going to turn out. And it just might be you hold out faithful. Maybe you'll hear the words from Him one day when you enter that presence of Him.
Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful and little. I'm going to give you much. Maybe you'll just hear that. Things might not be as bad as you think. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you'd bless us. Lord, when we get cynical and when we get discouraged and we get frustrated and we get tired, we wonder about our role in the whole scheme of things about Christianity. Lord, help us have faith that will prevail during those times. Lord, help us to remember as that song goes, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. One glimpse of his dear face, all sorrows will erase. So bravely run the race. Christian, would you cast your care upon him today? You may feel frustrated, unable to see what goes from this day forward. But would you trust him? He careth for you. If you're a person who has not yet trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, this may sound like, well, why would I want to get saved if, if I'm not going to have a, a flawless life? If you get saved, you'll have a flawless life in eternity. But God didn't promise us a bed of roses in this life because we live in a fallen world and we live and serve in fallen bodies of flesh. We come under the same hardships oftentimes as unbelievers do because that's the world we live in. But one day we'll live in eternity with Him where there will be no pain, no sorrow, no tears, no sickness, no death. But for now, we have to live in this body, in this life. We have to keep the faith. I want to be able to say with the Apostle Paul, I've finished my course. I've kept the faith. Would you stand with me in the auditorium today? If